Hi, and thanks for tuning in to My Adventures at Home Brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started to, I don't know, all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining me on my adventures in homebrewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and today we're extremely fortunate to have someone I've been following on YouTube for quite a bit, and he's helped me out with uh, just through his videos and deciding what I want to do with my brewing kit. It's uh, Brian Huntley from uh, Short Circuit Brewers. How's it going, Brian? Good, Dan. How are you? Good, man. I got to say this in advance. Thank you so much for coming and being part of the, the podcast. We're brand new and all the help we get is awesome. Sure. Not a problem. So um, before we kick into it, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into homebrewing and how you started your channel? So I uh, got into homebrewing kind of by chance, really. Uh, went to a impromptu kind of family reunion uh, out in California. And uh, one of my cousins actually was a brewer at that time. And at this family reunion, he had brought a bunch of homebrew with him, a bunch of different stuff, kind of nothing like, you know, no crazy IPAs or anything like that, but some holiday ales, some different types of beer, you know, just stuff with a lot of flavor to it. And before that, I was kind of a yellow fizzy drinker, you know, and whenever I tasted these different beers, it was like, it was just like a whole world opened up and it was, you know, I, I like cooking too. And so it was like, well, you know, this is really interesting. You can do this with beer. I'd never tasted anything like that before. And so I went back home and I told my wife, I said, you know, I'd like to try to brew beer. And so she was, you know, she's like, okay, fine. She, cause she enjoyed it as well. And so I bought my first kit and it was just uh it was an extract kit with uh you know a couple of buckets and you know the muslin bags and all that stuff and then i, me- I remember distinctly the first uh kit that i brewed was a holiday ale had like cinnamon and spices and stuff in it and uh it actually turned out pretty good no no issues at all i, I bottled that first batch up and then uh went from that to I said well okay I like the the extract was kind of cool what, but you know what else can I do so then I went into my first partial mash um did that on the stove in the kitchen you know uh steeping the grains and all that and then using the extract for the the other part of it and that was a, an Irish red uh it turned out pretty good and I thought well this is pretty cool but um I think I want more control. I was kind of hooked on it then. So, you know, I want to, I want to do more. want to, want to really like get a hold of the process. And so right after that, I bought, you know, the Igloo cooler and uh, I actually purchased a Kegel on, on uh, Craigslist and did my first uh, all grain Irish red. It turned out pretty good. So it was like, you know, uh, I, I went, I went extract <laughs> partial mash all grain. So like my, my, uh, my learning curve was like basically vertical, you know, it was, it, it, I went one, two, three, and then it was all grain from there on out. I mean, I've done a few extract batches here and there just for the fun of it, but uh, I've been doing all grain ever since. And that was about 10 years ago, somewhere, somewhere around there. Oh, right. And awesome. uh, the, the channel came from uh, when I met the, met the guy on Craigslist to uh, purchase the Kegel. 
Uh, actually, you know what? I'm sorry that I said that wrong because actually I don't, I'm trying to think of where I got the Kegel from. It was when I sold the Kegel was that uh, I met one of the, the people that I kind of started the channel with. And uh, it was it was one of those things where I, you know, I, I met this guy and he was into brewing and I sold him the Kegel. And then um, he came over. I, I was in the process of building a, a three vessel herm system at that point in time. Uh, I had the like a rudimentary controller in a wooden box. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> what rat's nest wiring, just a mess. You know, I knew where everything was, but if you looked at it, you're like, oh my gosh. So, uh, you know, I had a boil kettle that was electric and I was using like a rims tube for maintaining the mash temperature. So I invited this guy over with, and uh, last second he was like, hey, you know, he's like on his way. Care if I bring my buddy? And I'm like, well, okay, sure, whatever, you know. <laughs> a little late now, and, but uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my wife's freaking out. She's like, what, you know, what if they're, what, what if they're, you know, serial killers or whatever? And I'm like, well, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're beer people, so they can't be too bad, you know? So um, they came over and, and were just absolutely amazed by, you know, here you are, I'm, I'm, was right about the boil whenever they came over and, and, you know, the, the warts and they're boiling and it's like completely silent, you know, you're used to propane where it sounds like a, a jet airplane taking off and, it was, it was one of those things. It was just like, you know, we were like cavemen poking at fire, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was something else. And uh, so then both of those guys uh, went electric with their brewing systems. And then we kind of, and then, you know, we got, got it together and said, well, Hey, you know, cause we were watching YouTube at that time too, all the different things. Mm -hmm. And, and then it was like, Hey, well, you know, what if we all three of us started a channel? So we did. And it went like that for a year or two and then kind of some, you know, all three of us kind of lost a little bit of interest. And then I, at, at some point, I think it was about 20, 2014 or 13 or 14, something like that. Just kind of got some interest back into it and started doing it again. And then the other guys just kind of bowed out. So that's, and that ever, you know, ever since then, it's just been pretty much me and uh, me and the wife doing, doing the videos and stuff. And, and it's 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 been a, a great community it's been a lot of fun and, and you know I, I enjoy i enjoy just about every type of brewing i mean you know people ask me all the time well, what's your favorite system to brew on and it's kind of a it's kind of a cheesy answer but it's like the one i'm brewing on right now <laughs> you know it's like yeah. whatever's making me beer right now you know so it's it's uh i've, I've done a lot of brewing on different systems but it's uh, it, it's always it's always fun to to brew and and you know taste the the efforts that you of the beer you created and, and, you know, tweak recipes and learn different things. And yeah. And, That's one uh, thing I've noticed is that people are like, well, why are you going electric or why didn't you go propane? Well, for my footprint where I am at home, I'm in my garage, so I could do propane, but then it's, well, where do I store everything? So for me, an electric system is so much easier to store and put away at the end of the end of a brew day than it is to put away a kegel than it is to put away an igloo HLT, than it is to put away, uh, you know, a mash tun. Your burner. The your burner. Propane the propane. <laughs> exactly. It's so much easier right. to do that. And one thing I have been noticing a lot with a lot of electric systems, there are a huge price variants. Be it from like with Robobrew, with say where if you got the, like the original Robobrew 3.1, it was like when I bought it, it was like 450 bucks Canadian. Right. Now the, the new Brewzilla, the same size as the 3.1, is about 500 bucks. Then you go up to the, the 
big sucker, you're looking at six or seven hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right, the sixty-five liter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess as a new brewer, how do you go about choosing the right setup for yourself? And if I was considering electric, why should I really take it into consideration? Um, you know, I think that you kind of hit on some of the the pluses of going electric is that, you know, it, it, most of them are all self-contained. Some of them have an external pump, but most of them are all self-contained, uh, very small footprint. Um, you know, you, you mash and you boil and everything all in the same vessel, uh, depending on what your process is, you might need another vessel for sparge water or whatever, but uh, you know, it, it does make it a lot easier. Cleanup is so much easier from an all in one vessel standpoint. I oftentimes, you know, recommend that if somebody's just getting into it, and I, lo- I know a lot of people like to just jump into, you know, spending a bunch of money on a lot of things. Uh, you know, I, I always recommend that somebody get into it with a little bit of basic, you know, basic equipment. You can do, you can do a, a partial volume boil mm-hmm. on your stove with a, you know, with a, a five gallon pot and, and, you know, to take it out of the kitchen, because that's, that's one of the, one of the big, contentions a lot of times is you know uh you're in you're in your significant other's domain or they're (laughs) cooking or or maybe you're you know maybe you're the one that cooks but you're in the house and you're you know maybe the smell is unpleasant to some folks i mean i'm fortunate i love it my wife loves it so i don't have any issue with that i mean it's you know when i'm brewing she's like oh my god it smells so good in the house you know (laughs) that's not an issue for me but you know you can get some you can get some really nice induction plates that are you know for a fairly decent price that would allow you to move out into the garage or, you know, on the back deck or whatever and, and do that. But, you know, and then see if you like it first, you know, see if you like the process, see if you like, you know, doing the bottling, see if you like doing the, you know, the, the, the length of time that it takes, because it does take some time, you know, and, and you can start out doing extract in one of those type of uh, situations. And that's not even to say that if you, you know, if you, if you, if you like it and you're like, Hey, you know what, this is something that I want to do, but I'm not quite ready to move into all grain yet, or even a partial mash, you can buy one of those all in one systems and use it with extract, no problem. And then, you know, as you progress in your brewing knowledge and your process, you can add more techniques and, and things to your process by, you know, you can do a partial mash in the basket. You can do, you know, you, you can do just straight up extract without having the basket in at all and just, you know, bring your water up to to temperature and mix in your, you know, shut the burners off, mix your extract in and then bring it up to a boil. And and it kind of it kind of helps you be a little future proof, if you will, where, you know, if you if you if you like it after doing it for a few a few batches and, and you, you know, you're really hooked on it, then it's certainly not a bad investment to do with buying one of the all-in-one systems with the with the ability to do an all-grain batch down the road. Okay. So I know with the all-in-one systems, there are a lot of them out there, be it mm-hmm. mash and boil, be it robo-brew, be it uh, grandfather. I think Anvil has one? Yes, they do. Okay. Yeah, the foundry. I don't yeah. think it's available in Canada, but uh, it, it, it isn't available yeah. in the U.S. here. So, I mean, there's a, there's a large selection of these units out there. How does one go about, especially as a new guy to this, to it, 
choosing the right one for them. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a bit of a beer geek and gadget geek. So I went down and I drilled down and find out what was best for me. But if I'm not that inclined to go that deep as I did, how does one choose the right one? I think you have to look at, you know, okay, the first off, what, what size of batches am I brewing? Um, and, and if I'm brewing normal batches, am I brewing, you know, a big beer with a lot of alcohol? What's the capacity that the system is going to allow me to brew from an all grain standpoint? If you're, you know, if you're, if you're mashing grains, what's the maximum capacity of the system? Most of them are pretty close to the same. Um, a lot of it comes down to the biggest variation in a lot of them that I see is the accuracy of the controller. Uh, some of the systems, the grandfather and the anvil have more of a, uh, I guess you would call it like an industrial or even a commercial type controller in them where they will hold temperature a little bit more accurately. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in the beginning when you're doing just, you know, some regular beers and, and you're, you're, you know, you're kind of striving for that 152, 154 degree range, it's not nearly as much of an issue, but if you start, you know, mashing at a little bit lower temperature and you don't want to fall below that starch conversion range, then you're going to want a controller that's going to be a little more accurate. Um, the RoboBrew has gotten a little bit better with the, the iteration of the 3.1.1. Uh, originally it, it would fluctuate about probably three to five degrees. Um, and it's gotten better. It still fluctuates a couple of degrees during mash. And, and the reason that's important is because, you know, depending on what your temperature is for your mash, that determines how many, how much of the sugar is fermentable and how much of it's not fermentable. So, yeah. you know, if you, if you are mashing at a, at a temperature that you expect the beer to come out to be, you know, 5% alcohol and, and, it, and it's swinging, you know, way up or way down, then you might wind up with a, a beer that comes out at, you know, four and a half percent and is a lot sweeter than what you intended. So that that's the biggest thing to me is the, the accuracy of the controllers, the, you know, the, the pump, the, the pumps being internal is, is a, a plus from a footprint standpoint, but from a, you know, serviceability and, and a clog standpoint it can be a little bit of a detriment sometimes because if you you know run a lot of hops you know doing a hoppy beer or something and you're trying to recirculate after the boil and you know, do a whirlpool or something like that then you can clog up those those pumps pretty easily sometimes mm -hmm. um that's one of the places that you know the the anvil is is a good option with the recirculation kit because it is an external pump um but you know that there again it's it's you know it's one of the it's kind of a trade-off it it kind of makes it a little bit more you know, bulky yeah. from that standpoint, but it is also good because you can clean out those, the, the clogs if you get them. So, <clears throat> I mean, I haven't really brewed on any that are bad. Uh, the other thing I look at too is, you know, how, what, what's the customer service? I mean, you have to think about, you know, okay, the price, price is good to look at, but at the same time, you know, if I have an issue, uh, if something breaks or something goes bad, you know, are there vendors that are readily available to be able to service that, that part, you know, are other people having problems with, you know, getting parts for it or you having customer service? Most of the companies are pretty good about it. You know, I mean, I, I haven't had too many, cause I've, I've talked to a lot of people with all different systems all the time and 
there's not really a lot of them that I've, that I've seen that have been, you know, all this, you know, the customer service is horrible, but it is something to think about because, you know, it, it is an electronic device and the law of averages says that there's going to be so many failures in a production line of, you know, electronic parts that are made in China. <laughs> That's where they're all made. So, I mean, you know, you, you've got that reliability factor and, and, you know, how good, it, how, how reliable is it? And then if you have a problem, how well are you going to be serviced after the sale? So, you know, I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of them as far as, you know, purchasing them goes. There are you know, like, there's a few quirks with, with each one of them, different things. Like the grandfather is pretty expensive. Uh, it's a, definitely a capable and, and well-made brewing system. Uh, the, the Brusilla, uh, formerly RoboBrew is another good system. Um, you know, not, no issues with that. I, you know, I, I brew on all three of the ones that I've, I have not brewed on a mash and boil, so I can't really speak from a, uh, a, a point of knowledge on that, but I know that, you know, sometimes those have some issues with, there's a, a sensor in the bottom that can get either hops or grain matter on them and cause them to trip during boiling or mashing and you have to, and the reset button's on the bottom. So yeah. imagine how inconvenient that is if you've got <laughs> full, full water and grain, you know. I just see everything everywhere on that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, but, you know, it's, it's one of, that's one of those things that, that uh, it's just, you know, something to know about the system. So, you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, availability and, you know, can, can you buy, what can you buy from your local homebrew shop? You know, what do they stock? Um, online is good, but it's also nice to be able to, especially when you're starting out to be able to support your local homebrew shop because they're going to be there. You know, the, the advent of the internet has, has certainly helped with, you know, new brewer questions, but you know, sometimes if, if you need, if you need to run down and grab some yeast or some hops or whatever, it's, it's nice to have a relationship with that local homebrew shop and, and, you know, support your local businesses and, and they can give you advice and stuff too that that's really nice. And they may even have a homebrew club that you can be a part of and and get some advice locally and meet other brewers that you know it certainly certainly helps to you can get a lot of advice from someone online, but you know, to have somebody there with you brewing and, and watching what your process is, an experienced brewer, you know, yeah. watching a new brewer, you can get you can just talk about different things that come up as you brew as you go through the brew day that somebody may not think about telling you online, you know. Well, that's uh, that's so true. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I'm fortunate in the sense that, um, well, one, I'm retired, so which is awesome. Uh, the next part is that I work part time in a brewery that's five minutes from my house, so I'm lucky in the sense that my boss is the head brewer, but I also get to pick his brain on things on the brewing process and things mm -hmm. like that. But I wasn't sure. able to actually ask him about anything uh, about buying kit uh, in the sense that he's like well i used a propane burner i used a keg and when i ground it out the top mm -hmm. right else. i'm like oh, that's great so if you want that i'll i'll give it to you and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> one it's not soldier proof two uh my wife would kill me uh, right <laughs> but it's also the fact that i was looking for something that was a, a ease of use and one mm -hmm. thing i have found a lot is with my RoboBrew, I find it extremely easy to use. I mean, I wish the controller was set up a little higher on it, just because I find that part's a bit of a pain in the butt. But other than that, it works like a dream. I mean, I like the idea that I can do st uh, steps with it. I can set it up the night before to have uh, the, uh, the strike water all ready to roll. Right, a delayed start, yep, that's that great. 
and then and, and go from there. I don't know if uh, new brewers actually know how readily available uh, information is on equipment out there and i'm pretty sure a lot of them don't know even know where to go and start i mean yeah you go to your homebrew store but you walk into those places it is so overwhelming As right walking <laughs> in, you're, like, you're like a kid in a candy store it's like i want one of these i want one of those but you're like okay but i'm on a budget it's hard going in i mean if you are a new guy going into one of these places uh, like how do you go in and not like come out being like completely broke Right. Well, you know, I mean, it, it comes down to, you know, and, and, and I, 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 I encounter a lot of people asking me kind of that same question all the time. You know, should I get this? Should I do that? Should I get this? Should I get that? And, and I think, you know, the, the, the best way is to start simple, you know, start with a brewing system, whether it's, you know, your kettle with a induction burner or whatever the case may be, a bucket, you know, there and you know a hydrometer capper there's a lot of kits that come you know with a fermentation bucket a bottling bucket you know some sanitizer some cleaner there you know that that's probably one of the best ways to go and that's how i got started was with that and then when you have that you have a nice solid base to start with and then you can kind of build from there but you know i, I see a lot of people try to jump way ahead and you know, sometimes it's not always the best thing to do. I think it's, you're better off, better off learning to walk before you run, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, more equipment and more things and more processes can lead to more variables that may cause some confusion and diagnosing an issue with a lot of different variables is kind of hard sometimes. You know, I, I, the, one of the funniest things that happens all the time is I new brewers, they'll, you know, they see somebody using a refractometer. They're all over it. They grab a, they get a refractometer. They're taking their original gravity. Perfect. Then they're hitting me up going, Hey, I don't understand my, it's not fermenting anymore, but my gravity is, you know, instead of being 10, 10, it's like 10, 24, you know? And the funniest thing to me is I see I see these th uh, things in forums a lot, and the first thing everybody does is start talking about the process and you know well you know what did you do what was this what was that you know and, and a lot of times they don't know, but what I found a lot of times is is I, I usually ask one question and it's like, what are you taking a gravity reading with? <laughs> okay, a refractometer. I said, what are you taking your final gravity reading with? A refractometer. Okay, don't do that. Hydrometer <laughs> is your friend. Exactly. You know, so that's one of those cases where, you know, equipment can cause confusion because they don't understand how it works and, 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 you know, why it does the things that it does. So that's one of the, that's just an example of, you know, somebody trying to jump ahead before they really understand exactly what's going on. So I think it's, I think it's good to start simple and then just, you know, build upon that. And, and, you know, so I, the simplest, a lot of the simplest brew days, you know, I mean, I have a three vessel Herm system with, you know, the Herm's coil and the three, you know, two elements and mash ton and all that stuff. And I mean, it's fun to brew on. I feel like I'm brewing on a, like a, a, you know, a real brewery system, but at the same time, I, I enjoy the single vessel system, just, you know, brewing, a, brewing a batch and, and, you know, just getting it done and, and little, very little cleanup 
nothing really, no must, no fuss. And, and you, you know, you, you put five gallons of beer in the fermenter and you're done. Yeah. So. I, that's what <laughs> I love about my all in one system too. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But the part you, uh, I want to touch on the part you were saying about the refractometer and a lot. I will say this, a hydrometer is your friend, but my hydrometer and I have a love-hate relationship. I'll read it. I'm like, all right, you're 1040. All right. That's the, that's the original gravity, whatever else. Mm-hmm. Come back, do my, my final. I'm like, you're 1020? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll see what uh, the Plato airlock says. And it's saying, oh, no, you're about 1015, 1020 or 1010. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what am, what am I not reading right? But that comes with experience where you learn how to read those things properly and things like that. Right, right. And, you know, temperature is variable with those. and Exactly. You know, so that type of thing. Back on topic, when we're looking at kettles and things like that, and I do know this from dealing with friends who – have done this is that they've always said to make sure the quality of of the kit because you don't want uh to scorch anything and i've seen guys scorch stuff in the bottom of their kettles and then they've left the kettles for like two or three days soaking with pbw in it to get it clean is there a way to make sure that when you're buying something that you're that it's a really good quality vessel and you're not going to scorch anything i mean you're going to scorch it if you leave it alone and you don't pay attention to it but you're not always going to be there all the time because every now and then you're going to go for a bathroom break oh i gotta go to the fridge and grab a beer Mm -hmm. is there a way to make sure that other than sitting on it to make sure it's not going to scorch and that the vessel is actually worth investing in that it's got that right quality yeah, so I, the, the the things you really want to look for is uh, either, you know, low wattage density uh, is good, which basically means that in the bottom of these all-in-ones, there are coils that go around in there. And depending on the size or the length of the coil as it wraps and goes back and forth around underneath of the kettle, the longer it is, usually the lower wattage density it is. And what that means is that, you know, per square inch of element touching the bottom of the all-in-one system, there is a certain amount of wattage in that area. So, you know, imagine if you had just a single loop around and you're putting 1,500 watts of power through that versus having one that loops around and then, you know, coils back around and, you know, has a couple of different couple of loops in it. The the wattage is spread out over a larger area and that's what helps prevent you know those the scorching issues um most of them are you know low wattage density uh some of them are ultra low wattage density uh the biggest thing that i i think most of the scorching comes from a lot of times people not uh not slowing the flow down enough for circulation and okay. having too little of liquid in the bottom. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, I mean, you know, you, you put, you know, you put, uh, you know, a gallon of oil in a, in a, uh, a, uh, pot on the stove to fry something. And, you know, it takes a while for it to heat up and it has a pretty, pretty maintains a pretty good temperature, but you put, you know, a half an inch in there and it's smoking in no time because of the fact that there's not a lot of, yeah, not a lot of liquid for the surface area. So I think, that's where a lot of the scorching comes from a lot of times. I, I don't 
I don't think that the scorching comes from the boil. If, if people were really, if people took out the grain and, the, and poured out the wort, they would probably see that the scorching had already occurred before the boil. <laughs> okay. So, you know, that, that's one of the, that's one of the biggest things that, you know, I think that I see is, you know, people circulating too fast and then there's not enough wort in the bottom of the, of the vessel below the basket mm -hmm. to allow for even heating. And then, you know, when you get that sugary water in a, in a, uh, in a confined space that's, you know, not very deep, then it's going to want to, it's going to want to caramelize and, and basically burn on the bottom. Okay, right on. Is there anything that you would think would be some of the m major points that a newer brewer should consider when they're going out looking at something? I mean, we've covered a lot in, the, in a short amount of time, but if there's like one or two key things someone like myself who's just starting out should look at, what would they be? Um, you know, I, th I think uh, quality construction is one, you know, um, look at the switches, look at the buttons, look at the controller, you know, look, look at all the things that, that are on the exterior of the vessel. Um, does, you know, it, are there large gaps or, you know, are there, are there areas where, you know, water or wort, you know, cause I mean, we're, we're dealing with liquid and electricity here. So, you know, is, are there places where water can get into those controls and cause issues? Um, you know, is it, does it seem flimsy? Uh, cause I know that there are some, you know, I, I have people ask me a lot of times, you know, Hey, I, you know, I saw on AliExpress, I can get this brewing system for $200, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, but you know, you get what you pay for. So it, it's one of those things where, you know, just make sure that everything visually looks good. Uh, if you can inspect it, you know, yourself, otherwise, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of good, knowledge out there both in in print you know on on i say print i mean you know text online and, and also videos reviewing things um you know i do a lot of that myself but i think that's probably you know and going back to what i said earlier was you know making sure that you know if, if you're doing am i doing large beers do i need the capacity to do you know a mash of 20 pounds of grain is that system going to handle it you know and then on the on the flip side of that hey i'm only doing two and a half gallon batches you know is is the system going to allow me to do that you know does the basket sit down far enough that i can do a two and a half gallon batch and still have my grain immersed in the liquid to do the conversion so i mean there's you know there's a couple of different things to consider there you know some of the systems have a, a lot of space underneath of the basket whereas some of them have a lot less so you know that's a that's a consideration as well. If you're if you're doing smaller batches, there's a lot of people are doing you know two and a half, two to two and a half gallon batches nowadays, and just so they can you know they they maybe don't drink as much beer or they want to have more variety at any given time where they can you know not have to go through five gallons of beer to get to the next one. So those are some considerations that I that I certainly think uh, are are good ones to look at. Awesome. Well. We're going to call it quits right there. Well, thank you very much for everything, Brian. It has, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Lots of information. I know I've learned a lot, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the people that I have listening, will, uh, especially the new guys, will take a lot from it. Thank you very much for coming on the show, and hopefully sure. down the road I can have you back on again. That sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right. Yeah, thank you. Cheers.
So thanks again to Brian Huntley for coming on the show today. It was fantastic having him on the show. I've been following following him on YouTube now for the past year or so, and I have found his information and his reviews on on the products he has on his channel to be invaluable.、Um, If you're getting a chance to go see some of his videos, go over to YouTube, look up Short Circuit Brewers.、Uh, you'll see a wealth of knowledge in all, all of his stuff, and you'll also get to see him build his new bar, which is pretty cool.、Um, yeah. So until then, thank you so much for coming on my adventures in home brewing and coming along for a ride for a beer or two. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.